Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. One of the most respected and experienced broadcasters in the industry. This is The Roy Green Show. You can uh, send your emails to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com, Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. We're on Twitter, at The Roy Green Show. And uh, the Roy Green Show webpage is where you can read my comments and add your thoughts and also listen back to any segment we air on the podcasts. That's RoyGreenShow.com. Just let me read you a few lines from a story from Global News. ISIS members who returned to Canada from Syria and Iraq could have knowledge of chemical weapons and put it to use in a terrorist attack, according to internal government documents obtained by Global News. The documents said the so-called Islamic State had repeatedly used chlorine and mustard gas in Syria and Iraq, raising the prospect of their use in Canada by returning foreign fighters. The issue uh, is one of the complexities facing Canadian police and security agencies preparing for the return of those who travel to Syria and Iraq to join the terrorist groups like ISIS and the local al-Qaeda factions. The federal government says about 100 extremists left Canada to join terror groups in the region. Another 60 have returned after having served in overseas terror groups. A few of those returnees were with ISIS, but given events on the ground in Iraq and Syria, authorities are anticipating more may come back in the next few months, including women and children. The chance of a successful chemical weapons attack in Canada was considered extremely low due to robust domestic controls over the required materials and technology, the document said. However, Dash's known use of commercially available toxic industrial chemicals in attacks is indicative of the group's ability to use any means available, said the document, which used another term for ISIS. This is a global news story. Returning ISIS members pose potential chemical weapons risk to Canada internal government documents. Tom Quiggan joins us on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. He's a court-certified expert on terrorism and security. He has also worked with, as we've told you before, with the RCMP, the Canadian Armed Forces, the United Nations, was in, uh, active in uh, war crimes investigations. He's the author of Submission, the Danger of Political Islam to Canada with a Warning to America. Tom, are uh, are you surprised by this, and how serious would you consider this 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 threat to be? Chemical weapons uh, used by returning ISIS fighters. Well, first off, uh, thanks for inviting me to the uh, Roy Green Show, Roy. Uh, in terms of surprise, there's nothing really surprising here. A variety of terrorist groups around the world have sought to create biological and chemical weapons programs for years. Most of them, uh, which have resulted in catastrophic failures, and uh, more often than not, they wind up hurting themselves rather than anybody else. A um, couple of interesting things here, though. One is when they're talking about ISIS weapons capabilities in the biological and chemical realm, most likely what they were doing there was they were using captured industrial capability and captured weapons capability and then employing that. So here's kind of the thing you have to think about, though, Roy, is any reasonably intelligent person with a limited budget could create a biological or a chemical weapon here in Canada 
providing you have access to Shoppers Drug Mart and Canadian Tire. That's about all you need. And I'm talking literally several hundred dollars or less to do that. So creating the chemical or biological agent is not difficult. Finding out how to do it is simple. Just go onto the Internet and Google it. You'll find Uncle Fester's books, uh, and there it is. But here's the trick. Weaponizing a biological agent or weaponizing a chemical agent is incredibly difficult to do. Many countries have failed at the national level when they try to create bio or chem weapons because they're not able to disperse them when they need to in the manner they want them to. If there's a classic example of this, it was Um Shamrikyo, which was a very well-funded Japanese terrorist group which spent millions of dollars over a period of years with a bunch of MDs and PhDs working for them to create a biological and chemical agent program. Their biological program failed after they killed a few sheep, and then their chemical attack failed uh, when they attacked the Tokyo subway system. They launched on one day five separate sarin gas attacks on the Tokyo subway, and instead of killing tens of thousands of people like they wanted to, they, the attacks all failed, and they wound up killing about 12. So weaponizing a biological or chemical agent is still very difficult, Roy. And looking at the story, uh, the global news story, it uh, indicates ISIS has conducted chemical attacks. As CNN quoting U.S. officials reported last year that ISIS had formed a chemical weapon cell in Syria to help defend its strongholds and the possibility that ISIS foreign fighters could return to Canada with chemical weapons know-how was raised by federal officials in drafts of the 2017 public report on the terrorist threat in Canada, which was obtained under the Access to Information Act uh, by Global News. So it's so we would say then that the threat exists. It's probably not going to be something that individuals returning to Canada who were members of ISIS would be familiar with, but not impossible. Uh, nothing's impossible, Roy, and anything can happen. Um, I personally was involved, and I shouldn't go too far into the details here, but I was personally involved in a little project here in Ottawa uh, with an agency of the federal government in looking at the ricin threat, um, which is a very deadly uh, biological agent. And to make a very long story short, myself and a uh, colleague here were able to determine that given the materials available in Ottawa and given a budget of about $100, we could create low-level ricin. Uh, again, the problem was weaponizing it, so that's the big issue. What is changing, Roy, and um, this is the kind of thing that would keep me awake at night as opposed to the biochem, is the changing nature of chemistry and explosives. So. Folks have been able to create low explosives at home for years. For instance, farmers regularly blow up buildings or blow stumps out of fields with ANFO, uh, ammonium nitrate and fuel oil bombs, and all you require is a bag of fertilizer, some diesel, and a stick of dynamite, and you've got yourself a very handy explosive. What's changing, however, and this is mentioned in the article, and this is the serious part, is that a reasonably competent individual can create high explosives now literally in your bathtub at home. So if you remember the London subway bombings, that was the first time that low-level terrorists with modest capabilities created high explosives, which they could carry in backpacks and detonate, uh, which was an incredibly deadly attack. So if you're sort of looking for an area where the government should expend resources or to track uh, substances, then that is sort of the emerging field that is very promising 
is the ability of the individual citizen to create high explosives in your uh, in your own basement. So anybody with a anybody with a beef, anybody with a with an issue that they want to resolve violently, if they have a reasonable skill set with uh, chemistry and uh, have access to the internet, they can learn how to build something that would be well potentially devastating for less than a thousand bucks, five hundred yeah. bucks. Oh yeah, like a hundred dollars kind of hundred dollars that kind of budget. Now, so- Tom, when you talk, when you say the difference between creating the uh, the fundamentals by going to Canadian Tire and Shoppers Drug Mart and then weaponizing what you've put together. What do you mean by weaponizing? Okay, so anybody can create a biological agent or a chemical agent and quite often an explosive agent. The trick is getting it to go bang when you want it to and where you want it to. So it's one thing to have chlorine gas, which is actually relatively easy to either manufacture or purchase or steal. The problem with chlorine gas is how do you get it to spray out into a target area and kill people at the time you want it to? Because it dissipates very quickly, the wind will blow it away, and chlorine gas is highly volatile, so it will react with whatever substance it comes into contact with. It's heavier than air, so it tends to just kind of drift away. So it takes a huge amount of chlorine gas to actually ma- to, to launch an effective attack. Uh, so the trick is not building the agent. The trick is in delivering it to people in such a way it'll hurt them. So, for instance, ricin as a poison is incredibly uh, deadly. And a very tiny amount of like one one-thousandth of a gram injected into your body will kill you. And there is no, no recovering from it. There's no antidote. There's no nothing. The trick, however, the problem is to try and spray it into the air or to inject it into people's bloodstreams in such a way they'll inhale it or take it into their bloodstream and it'll kill them. So doing it to one individual is not a problem, as the Russians did when they killed a Soviet spy on a bridge in London years ago. But trying to do it in mass is incredibly difficult. Um, So that still is a stumbling block. So thank you so much for the time, Tom. And where uh, where can we access the Quiggin Report? I'm assuming YouTube hasn't changed their mind yet, right? (laughs) We're still on the ban list by YouTube. But the Quiggin Report is available on SoundCloud. It's available on Patreon. We're on iTunes, and we are on Vimeo and Stitcher. And all you wanted to do on YouTube was discuss freedom of expression, freedom of speech. Yes. That's That's such a huge irony. That is so ironic. No, it's absolutely weird that what we got banned for was simply talking about the idea of talking about free speech, security, terrorism, extremism, immigration, etc., etc. Well, it just kind of shows you the sensitivity of these companies and how easy it is to trigger them these days. Yeah. My friend, you're always welcome here. Cheers. Thanks, Roy. Thanks, Tom. Tom Quicken worked with the RCMP, the Canadian Armed Forces, the United Nations, did uh, war crimes investigations also with the Bank of Canada and is a certified expert on security and terrorism, court certified. When we come back, Dr. Zudi Jasser... And he'll talk about an issue. We were hoping that MP Ikra Khalid, the author of M103, would want to speak to Dr. Jasser about, but apparently not. Stay with us.